This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings, and now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. And my name is Fiona Blair and for this week and the next few weeks I am a single podcast host. Yep, Grace is overseas enjoying a lovely holiday. Uh, You might have seen some of her content from Royal Ascot last week where she had a lovely time. And I'm here to make sure that we have fresh Ladies Who Punt content for you each and every week. So we are into our second week of my six-week interview series. Last week, we decoded Breakers with Shannon Betts. And this week, we are decoding Millinery with the lovely Lizette Margini. So this week's episode is very fashion-heavy, which is new for Ladies Who Punt. We haven't really done much on fashion, considering that it plays such an important part in the race day experience. But I thought it was the perfect time to bring Lizette on to talk about millinery for those who saw Grace's outfits at Royal Ascot where she looked absolutely stunning. Lizette designed and made those two pieces of millinery for Grace to wear at Ascot and they were just stunning. A beautiful little pillbox on the first day and then a nice boater on the Saturday. While we are doing an episode on fashion today, I think it's really important for me to mention that we have our fashion spotlight each week in our weekly newsletter, which you can subscribe to by looking in the show notes. And what we're after with the fashion spotlight is for you, our listeners and community, to send in an outfit you've worn to the races and just give us the outfit details. So our entries so far have been very fashion on the fields heavy and that is obviously fantastic they're absolutely stunning outfits and that's been really cool to see people's really beautiful well put together outfits but I do want to stress that this fashion spotlight is literally for any race day outfit if you are going have been racing it doesn't have to be current you can send in some of your favorite race day outfits that you have saved on your phone We just want to see what you're wearing and where you got it from. And all price points are welcome. If you manage to find a beautiful dress from Target and wear it to the races, we want to know about it. If your outfit's secondhand and you got it from a vintage store, we want to know about it. The idea of the Fashion Spotlight is just to share our beautiful outfits that we wear to the races with each other. And the other great thing about the Fashion Spotlight is that if you enter your outfit, even if it doesn't make the newsletter, you will go in the draw to win uh, one of to win one of four handbags from the lovely handbag queen, Karen, who has kindly put up four handbags for the competition. And one person's name will be drawn for the months of August, September, October, and November. So make sure you check out Handbag Queen Karen because she's got some lovely pieces. And also put in an entry for our Fashion Spotlight section of our newsletter. That would be fabulous. 
Now I've told you I'm going to be on the ball with all of my ladies who punt housekeeping while Grace is away because I don't have anyone to distract me with with other more interesting chat. So if you are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Make sure you are subscribed or following the podcast wherever you listen and leave us a review. There's another couple of ways that you can support the podcast. Firstly, signing up for our newsletter. It goes out on Friday mornings and contains extra ladies who punt content including the fashion spotlight our community black book tips and our weekly deep dive into a topic of racing lastly you can just follow us on socials you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram we would love to see you over there well since it's just me in the studio uh it's there's not much more for me to say by myself so let's go to our interview with lizette margini I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, today I am so excited to bring in Lizette Margini to the podcast. Lizette has her own millinery business called Zia Paza Headwear, but not only that, Lizette is a member of our Ladies Who Punt community and also one of the owners in our Ladies Who Punt syndicate with our lovely Deepfield Amorphous Philly. I always love it when we get to chat to one of our community members. So welcome, Lizette, and thank you for joining me today to chat all things millinery. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you on. Uh, I am a total millinery newbie, so I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from you today. I guess especially what sort of rules or guidelines there are around wearing millinery at the races. But before we get into that, let's start off with your journey to becoming a milliner and opening your own business, Zia Pazza. Okay, so I was a teacher for over 35 years and I broke and I... But I love learning, so I needed to find something that I could do where I got the chance to learn something new again from the ground up. And I really still don't know how I fell towards millinery, but I did. I'd always had a love of hats. Um, Like half of the population, my grandmother was a milliner at some point in her life, and she used to make all her own hats in the... 50s and 60s to go to the races in the 70s Um, but I never actually saw her doing it Um, it was just you know the family story and so yeah I um I left teaching and went and did a um a TAFE court um well it was actually a an accredited course a certificate course at Melbourne Fashion Institute under Georgia Skelton and um Basically, from there, I got a an internship with Wendy Scully and then really had to branch out by myself. So that's how it all started. And how long ago was that, uh, Lizette, and when did you start Zia Pazza? So that was 2017. At this time, 2017, my course started at the beginning of June. 
And how long was the course? It was seven months. Um, wow. It was different to the TAFE course. The TAFE course, you do your um, certificates across a couple of years, whereas the course that I did was a condensed course. So we did it intensively. So we did a full day from 10 till 5 um, once a week. And then I was also working as an intern with Wendy during that time and just working myself to improve my skills whenever I could. I've always been yeah, a knitter, great. I've always been a crocheter, I've always been the person in the family that everyone came to to do the, I made my sister's um, costumes for dance and all of that type of stuff. So I've always been the one in the family that people would say, oh, you can do this for it. So, the crafty one. The crafty one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and since 2017, you've done incredibly well because for those who caught our newsletter last week, you have an entry into the annual millinery award, which has been held on Thursday, the same day that this podcast comes out. Congratulations. It's a beautiful piece and it sounds like a really fun event, but tell us about the process of putting Beatrice together and Beatrice is the name of the entry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So every year the Millinery Association have a design award and you construct a piece to the best of your ability under a theme. And this year's theme was ruffled. So I tried to think of something that was a little bit left of centre, but still included ruffling in my design. So Beatrice is named after Princess Beatrice and the piece that she wore to the wedding of William and Kate, which caused... It's iconic, isn't it? It is an iconic piece. Um, <laughs> I must admit, I wasn't into millinery at the time and I kind of went, whoa. <laughs> but looking back at it now, I look at it, whoa, still, but whoa, how did he do that? How is that right. piece constructed? That is extraordinary. Um mm. So, yeah, you do get a different perspective once you start making yourself. Um, yeah. So much of the skill and the craft behind millinery is actually engineering, getting something to sit exactly how you want it to and look mm. exactly how you want it to. So, yes, it was based on Beatrice's piece. Um, so it's a percher. It sits up on the head. I've used a technique that I've been working on over the last few years using traditional smocking technique to um, get the ruffles on the front of the piece and then I, I used just made a ruffle out of a silk abaca fabric which is what my piece is constructed from to make just a bow tail so whereas Beatrice's hat had the the full bow with the with the tails cascading down both sides I just have one tail well, it's gorgeous. I love the uh, the colour scheme too. It's it's just, yeah, it's stunning. So good luck with that uh, tomorrow. You. And you mentioned what kind of piece of millinery it is, Beatrice, <laughs> and I've already forgotten what you said. So that takes me to my next question, which is, I guess, like, what are the different types or genres of millinery? Yes, there are so many. So Beatrice, as I said, is a per what's called a percher hat or percher piece. Um, so it's a piece that literally perches on your head. It sits on top. So think of like a bird on a perch. You've mm -hmm. got a headband and the construction then sits on the headband. So it sits on top of the head or just slightly to the side, may rest on your forehead as she does but basically it perches on a headband. Mm -hmm. 
we have our really traditional forms of hats um, which have a crown and a brim. So the crown is the part that sits on your head, um, around your forehead, and then the brim is the part that sticks out on the sides. So you, there you've got all of your more traditional hats that men wear, certainly, um, like the top hats at Ascot, but you have trilbies, panamas, fedoras, and basically they're all just different names depending on the shape of the crown, whether it's dinted, whether it's dinted on one side or at the front, um, and the width and the turn up of the brims. So com different combinations have different names. So a trilby has a very short brim and it's usually turned up at the back. So it's the type of hat that I always look at and think of the traditional uh, racing stewards that used to get out of the cars and jump into the towers. They always used to wear trilbies, that type mm -hmm. of hat. Um, of course, you've got boaters, which is what Grace, the second piece that Grace wore on Saturday. Uh, and again, you can have different types of boaters. You can have a boater that actually fits on your head fully with a broom, or you can have a percher boater, which means it sits up on top of your head. It sits proud on your head. Um, and sometimes those are constructed onto headbands as well to give them a bit of a jaunty tilt. So there are just different ways we can manipulate each of the different styles to suit the purpose to suit the design of the outfit that the person wants to um, complement. And as I understand it, Lizette, now that we sort of know, I guess, these these genres of different types of millinery, there's certain rules around what type you wear at certain occasions. Can you <laughs> take us through those? Because I feel like I've probably you know, broken the rules a million times because I have no idea that they exist. <laughs> I think that the the um, the trickiest bit is, it seems for some people, is to actually know which way to put their hat on. Um, oh, yeah, The biggest millinery faux pas, in my opinion, <laughs> is wearing a hat sideways or backwards, <laughs> and you do see it. Now, most milliners give you a very strong hint. They put a label on their piece, and just like your clothing label that goes at the centre back, so does your millinery label. It goes in the centre at the back. With um, a piece that's on a headband, the traditional side in Australia that pieces are made on is to wear on the right for a lady. Now there are old traditions about that going back to medieval times about propriety and women not being able to see the gentleman seated to their right at a dinner table so their hat would sweep down to the right. They could turn to the left and speak to their own partner. There are stories about gentlemen always carry their sword, carried their swords to the left and if you took out the sword, you didn't want to be taking off the hat and things <laughs> at the same time. So it gave you, you know, so there's, there's lots of different reasons for it. But on the whole, a mass-produced piece in Australia will be designed to wear to the right of the head if it's on a headband. And oh, even so good to a cocktail hat, the same thing, will traditionally be designed to wear on the right. Of course, a milliner can make them for you to the left if that's where you prefer. Some people prefer it. They just feel more comfortable. Um, that might um, depend on where the part is in their hair and they prefer to have it on one side rather than the other but on the whole you buy a piece mass produced 
it's going to work on the right side of your head. That's so interesting. And I think such a nice, easy rule to or guideline to stick to when um, <laughs> putting on your fascinators because, yeah, it is so hard to tell sometimes which way they're supposed to go. Yeah. Now, you designed a couple of pieces for Grace who went to Ascot last week and they were just gorgeous, two pieces. And I remember when you guys were chatting about those pieces, you were asking her, you know, where whereabouts in Ascot will you be? Because there are certain rules with like what your millinery needs to look like depending on where you are within the, you know, if you're in the royal enclosure versus just, I guess, another member's area. Yeah. So, what is yeah. what is all that about? Look, it's it's only applies to Royal Ascot. So it's only right. it only applies to those five days of racing during the year. Um when the Royals are in attendance, of course. So it is the the strict rule is for women and men in the royal enclosure. The women must wear a hat with a base that is four inches, ten centimeters in diameter, and gentlemen must wear a, a top hat that's either grey or black. Mm-hmm. Um, in the other enclosures, um, it's compulsory in the Queen Anne enclosure for a lady to wear a headpiece. In the other enclosures, um, as you get further away, I suppose, the Village and the Windsor ones, they are highly recommended. So it's not compulsory, but unlike our race meetings, it is highly recommended that you wear a headpiece. Um, so as far as the, the Royal enclosure with the four inch 10 centimeter minimum that's to stop people from wearing headbands jeweled headbands or nato headbands you must have that little base in some form so there was a lady last week who had a purple piece on that was definitely a percher but if you looked behind it it had a small round base that sat on her head so that gets through those rules so the actual like disc, I guess, as I'm probably using completely wrong terms. So the bit on your head has to be the, that diameter. The piecing contact with your head must be that diameter. That's exactly right. Okay, right. Yes. So it doesn't have to be like a hat. It can still be very ornate. Yes. But it just has to have a nice wide base on it. It does. So one of Grace's oh. pieces, of course, was a pillbox, which has mm-hmm. you know plenty of contact with the head, um, and a lot of cocktail hats or other little pieces that are referred to usually as face huggers. So they tend to be the type that sit on the side of your head and come down towards your ear. So they kind of look like they're hugging the side of your head. Those types of pieces are fine, but they must have that minimum contact point. That's so interesting. And as I know you were saying that those rules are specific to Ascot, but over here in Australia, is there any rules regarding like going to members or, you know, if it's a group one race day, like is there any, maybe not strict rules, but guidelines that we could be guided by attending those sorts of race meetings or, you know, members areas? Yeah. From a millinery standpoint, unfortunately, none of the race clubs have any strict <laughs> rules. <laughs> but as far as general rules go um yeah you're you're encouraged to dress up more for a group one event or those big Mm -hmm. race days in each state um certainly we have different fabrics that can be 
that are encouraged to be worn, certainly the girls that do fashions on the field, and I'm not going to go down that path because that's just another world entirely <laughs> and it's not the world in which I live. Um, but, you know, spring and summer you tend to wear straw-based fabrics, things like cinema, um, and then there's so many different types of straws that your hat can be constructed from. In winter it's traditional to wear a felt or what we call trans-seasonal fabric. So the trans-seasonal fabrics that most people will use or materials that can be worn all year round are things like silk or um, so a fabric covered hat or feathers um, or a leather piece. So don't wear felt during the summer is a Technically, good rule to go by. Now certainly if you were doing fashions on the field it's an absolute no-no. If you're right. going to a country race meeting and it's a really hot day and you know that your felt hat has the best sun protection, then I'm going to break the rules there and say, the traditional rules, and say, just wear it. Yeah, right. But that's really interesting to go by because I just never would have thought of that. And then in terms of like we've covered sort of the fabric, are there certain colours or not the colours, it's fine, you can wear whatever, whenever you want to? Yeah. Colours, there is no rule rhyme or reason mm -hmm. anymore mm -hmm. um a lot of people like to match their hat with their shoes and their handbag but again that's more a fashions on the field thing because that's part of the criteria under which they are judged but look, mm -hmm. you know as long as your hat is in the color palette and as long as it's something look more than anything a hat should make you smile a hat mm. is an accessory and if you're going to wear an accessory it needs to be something that you enjoy wearing mm. and it should be comfortable. And if it's well-made, it's an investment, just like a really good pair of shoes or a really good handbag or a really good frock. So talking about investments, because I know that one of your design ethos is to uh, make your pieces interchangeable and more flexible with someone's wardrobe, Tell me about that. How do you how do you make your hats so that they could be they can be worn multiple times with with multiple different outfits? Um, well, I suppose my my passion is the classic styles. So I love a good classic hat in a good strong color, you know, a navy, a black, a cream, a pink, a red, just good block colors. I love working with patterns. I'm making a little mini top hat for someone to wear to the gala tomorrow night and it's just the most divine pattern. But she's wearing a plain <laughs> dress. So we can we can play with the hat because her dress is a block colour. Um, but a good traditional shape and well made with a really good felt or straw can be reworked. Now, Grace's piece that she wore on... Saturday the navy boater she wanted that fire engine red scarf that was what she wanted she, she knew exactly what she wanted and we brought that to life for her and it looked fabulous fabulous but I've also given her a navy ribbon the same color as the hat and the ribbon around the crown and I've given her a white as well because I knew that the dress she was wearing was navy and white. So if she did want to, she could change that ribbon. It's got loops inside the hat. The ribbon can just be taken out and changed over. Um, I've got one piece um, currently on my website where I've started experimenting with magnets. 
and I've got trims on mm. magnets. So the magnet is sewn into this headband. It's a halo headband and there is a magnet sewn into it. Now, you can't see that, so you can just wear it as a halo headband, but I've got two different trims. So you can put a feather trim on it or you can put a felt trim on it. So you can just wow. mix it up. So you've got three hats in one and I'm looking at doing the same thing in spring so that potentially you can have a good base, swap over what you want. Um, I had a customer earlier in the year who I made a piece for for Tasmanian Derby Day and we did a trim on her hat and then she wore the same trim on her felt hat to Brisbane races a couple of weeks ago. So we were able mm -hmm. to swap it from a straw hat to a felt hat. So just... Oh, so clever. Well, it's, as I said, it's an investment and you don't want something that you spend money on to have one use. Mm -hmm. I guess like what you're describing there and like something I think that's like quite trendy at the moment is people putting together like a capsule wardrobe. And I guess like that's sort of what, you're you know encouraging or recommending for our listeners to do is have this sort of uh, great group of hats which are really versatile and you can wear and make small changes to to get you know maximum effect so if we were to put together a milliner's a millinery capsule wardrobe what do you think are like the key pieces that would be in it i love that and i've never thought of it like that um <laughs> okay so you need, I would say, a good Panama fedora or shaped hat with a, just a nice wide brim that is stylish, that you can wear all of the time. Um, a good Panama wears really, really well. You can have it trimmed a little bit fancier. And again, you know, I've changed the trim on ones for, for some customers at times. You certainly need a good felt hat as well. And again, I would just say, you know, a, not, a, not a big wide brim, just a nice fedora style. Again, in a colour that suits something that you know is a winner in your wardrobe. So a colour that suits you or something that goes well with your favourite coat that you know that you're going to rug up in in winter and you can put that felt hat on and you will be warm for People that spend a lot of their time at the races inside, you don't want a big brim. You don't want to be knocking into people. You, if you're kissing people, <laughs> you don't want things getting in the way. So you've got to also, when you're going to a race meeting, think about where you're going to be. And that was part of the reason why I asked Grace, not just for the size, but where was she going to be spending most of the day? Because if you're outside, you do want some protection for your skin. Mm. If you're inside, stick with a smaller piece. It doesn't need to be a huge piece um, and a good little cocktail shape um, and a good pillbox, depending on what works with your face shape, is a great idea. Um, now, I'm not brilliant at explaining about face shapes and the different styles, but there are plenty of websites that you can go to that do. Um, and that's what I tend to, I've got a book that I can refer to because it's just mm -hmm. not something that's cemented itself in my head yet. A straw cocktail hat or a cinema piece, again, that you can potentially have different trims put onto. 
I've been known to wear a hat on Derby Day and then re-trim it for Oaks Day with a different look. It's um and it's a, and a pillbox, as I said, a good if you've got a a good mm -hmm. pillbox that's versatile that you can change up as well. Well, that's really helpful to know. I feel like you know it's it's good to have a better understanding of of what we should have at our disposal to <laughs> um you know make to and to invest in like you're right investing a lot of money into these you know really one of a kind pieces is great for one specific outfit but how often are you going to wear it again so investing in key pieces which you can use time and time again and match to your outfit that's i think that's really smart now, my last question for you, Lizette, is for, you know, I'm not sure if this will apply to anyone listening in, but if anyone who is listening in is interested in taking up millinery, what would be your advice to them? Okay. Um, depending, again, on which state you're in. Unfortunately, our last surviving TAFE course in Victoria is about to be closed down. Um, oh, dear. There are TAFE courses still available in New South Wales and Queensland but they're shorter the one in Queensland is a short course I would again suggest you get in touch with the association and they will put you in touch with somebody in your state that can teach you something um, we have Louise McDonald who runs amazing classes in Victoria there is a group online called Hat Academy and they sell video packages that you can do a couple of classes with um, Hatatelia has courses online that you can do. It depends on where you are and what you want to do. If you just want to learn to make that hat, then some of those online courses are perfect. Well, that's great advice, Lizette. And I just want to thank you again for coming on today. It's been great to pick your brain about these things because... You know, I definitely have an interest in, in fashion and things like that, but I don't know any of the rules or anything like that. So, you know, that's what we aim to do on this podcast is decode certain topics. And I think you've definitely decoded millinery for us. And, you know, I certainly feel a lot more confident. The tips about wearing pieces on the right side of your face, uh, the fabrics we can wear in different seasons, like all of that gives me a lot more confidence to dabble in the world of millinery. So thank you. You're more than welcome. Well, I found that a very informative chat with Lizette. I have to say I knew so little about millinery coming into this episode, and now I'm feeling so much more confident to dabble a bit more in the millinery world. And I feel like I just have a little bit more direction in terms of, you know, what pieces that I should be looking to put in my millinery co collection in order to make my millinery pieces as versatile and useful as possible. So it was great to have Lizette on today. And of course, good luck Lizette for the annual awards on Thursday night. Uh, we have all of our fingers and toes crossed for you. So this week was fashion and next week we move on to something a little more a little different. We are going to chat about equine welfare, especially post-racing. And I have a really fantastic guest joining me who has played a huge role in this area within Racing Victoria. So I'm really excited for this episode. This is a topic we've wanted to bring you guys for a really long time. And 
I'm just so stoked that it's getting done. So make sure you tune in for that one. It's going to be a really big episode. And until then, guys, I'll catch you next week. <laughs>